In Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, will be our text. Zephaniah, if you have your own Bible, is a little tiny minor prophet in the back of your Old Testament. Four or five back from Matthew. Matthew, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah. If you go backwards from Matthew, you can find it pretty easily that way. Zephaniah is called a minor prophet. It isn't a knock to call him a minor prophet, like he's just in the minor leagues or something like that. No, he's a major league prophet, but they're called minor prophets because, well, they are very small. He's writing three chapters. We're going to read the whole book of Zephaniah on a Sunday morning. We're not going to read a whole book of Isaiah, um, not, not very anytime soon anyway. But Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. We'll read the whole second chapter here, and then we'll get into it. Zephaniah chapter 2. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do His just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, the you nation of Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O sea coast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. The sea coast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening. For their Lord, their God, will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Amorites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for He will famish all the gods of the earth, and to Him shall bow down, each in its place, all the lands of the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by My sword, and He will stretch out His hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and He will make Nineveh a desolation." a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lived securely, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her 
hisses and shakes his fist. Grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Zephaniah, uh, we got through chapter 1 last week with a pretty stern message of judgment against everyone, the tribes of Judah and, and everyone, the whole earth. God is going to wipe out everything on the day of the Lord. And this week we get specifically all of these surrounding nations after the first three verses, the surrounding nations that God is going to work his judgment out on them. From one of my commentaries, reads like this, says, Zephaniah is a warning and a call to those who believe they are God's chosen. It is a strong call to a self-absorbed culture to come back to reality. Yahweh, who made everything, calls everyone to turn to him in humility for redemption. Yahweh, the the name of the Hebrew God. God, who made everything, calls everyone to turn to him in humility for redemption. A recurring theme through all of these minor prophets is this idea of judgment is coming. Sin is occurring. People are walking away from God. They are trusting in themselves. They are looking to their own strength. And because of that, the anger of God is against them. Last week, we talked about the, the stern reality. God hates sin and he will punish sinners. And so the minor prophets come along and they give warning. Judgment is coming. They say judgment is coming. They say repent. Repent for the time of the Lord is at hand. Judgment is coming. Repent. And then normally there is some segment of restoration that will happen for those who hear the call of judgment and repent. This is the restoration that God will work. You can read through the minor prophets, Joel, Amos, all of these minor prophets you can read through with these recurrent themes. Judgment is coming on account of sin and on account of sinners. Judgment is coming. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Turn from your sin. Turn to the Lord. Restoration is on its way. Last week, God hates sin and God will punish sinners. The good news this week is not that God no longer hates sin. (laughs) And it is not that God no longer will punish sinners. That is not the good news of this week. But we're not without good news this week. Though the truth remains, God is immutable. God is unchanging. God hates sin and He will punish sinners. And God, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that has not changed. But the good news is not, oh, God has changed His mind. The good news, there is some other good news that we want to look at specifically this morning. If you still have your Bible out, I'm going to emphasize this morning these first three verses from chapter 2, where Zephaniah speaks to them to gather together. Gather together. Yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff. Before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord. Before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do His just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps. Perhaps. That's a good word. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day 
of the anger of the Lord. So three things from this beginning verses here. Gather and before and perhaps. Gather before perhaps. Zephaniah warns the people to gather together. Coming off this strong declaration in, in, of judgment in chapter 1, he tells them to gather but this gathering has a very specific connotation to it. When we talk about gathering, it is, it's, it's a certain word in the Hebrew that they would use to gather straw together like for a broom or to gather stubble together like for the fire. So a, a good uh, cultural uh, reference for our time is right now, uh, Joel and I were in our yard last night gathering leaves for a pile. And what we're going to end up doing with those is gathering those leaves, putting them into a sack, and taking them out to the city dump for them to burn at some point. That's the gathering that Zephaniah is telling his people to do. Gather together. There is a confessed humility to this gathering. When Zephaniah is saying, gather, gather together, shameless nation, he is saying to them, realize that before a holy and eternal righteous God, this is like the gathering of straw. Who are we? Who are we in the face of this righteous God? Gather together as straw. This is the kind of gathering Zephaniah is talking about. Right assembling, right assembling before God has the posture of self-awareness as those who are but straw in the presence of the eternal almighty creator. No one gathered. We are not to gather getting big in our britches. Or like we, you know, like we, we're going to strut up to God. All right, we'll gather together. All right, God, here we are. You know, look at me. Aren't we great? No, that's not the gathering. This is a gathering of contrition. This is a gathering of penitence. Gathering as straw. Who is man that God would be mindful of him? Who are we? We gather together as straw. We are at stubble. We are dry leaves in the hurricane force winds of God's eternal might. There is no boasting before this God. Zephaniah calls them, gather together in humility, in penitence, in repentance over the reality of who they are in front of a holy, righteous, eternal, mighty God. They are to gather together. It goes on, and I would, so by way of like uh, relating to us, it would be wise for us that when we come to God, we would gather mindful of the reality that we are but straw before, that God would be mindful of us. This is how Zephaniah tells them, gather as straw is gathered, gather together in humility, in penitence before this great God. Second thing he says to them is before. Four times we have in verse 2. Before the decree takes effect. Before the day passes away like chaff. Before there comes upon you the brain anger of the Lord. Before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Before, before, before. There is this urgency coming out here. This is not a matter that is to be played around with. He is warning them of the coming judgment and that they must act now before the day comes. There will be no turning around once the day is upon them. They must act now before, before, before the day of the anger of the Lord. There's this urgent cry from Zephaniah. 
Don't fool around with this. We are gathered as straw. Should straw wait to gather until the hurricane shows up? Or should it gather and get things right before the hurricane force winds come and blow them away? This is not a day to be played around with. The day of the Lord is imminent and irreversible. The day of the Lord, Zephaniah is saying to them, is imminent, which is, it's, there's nothing more to be done before it shows up. It is imminent. It could happen right now. Imminent. The day of the Lord is imminent and it is irreversible. Do not play around. Now, from, from this, we do know that this day of the Lord, in a near fulfillment, happens for the people of Israel under the preaching of Zephaniah. There is a coming day of the Lord that does come for them. And we can read about it in our scriptures whenever the Babylonians come in and they take the people off to exile. The day of the Lord, they don't fully repent. They don't get fully right before God. And they come in, the Babylonian captivity comes in. Israel's already wiped out by the Assyrians. There's only the two tribes left. But Babylonians come in and carry them off into Babylonian exile. The day of the Lord has a very near fulfillment for the people of Israel at the time of the preaching of Zephaniah. But there is an exile and there is a day of the Lord yet coming. Prophecy in the Old Testament works this interesting way of a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. And so the prophet looks at this fulfillment and he might, the way it's kind of thought of is he look at a mountain range and you see two peaks and you think, boy, those mountain peaks are really close together. They almost might be the same peak. And then you climb one peak and you look down and you realize, oh, that peak's a, really a long ways away. But from Zephaniah's perspective, he's looking at this day of the Lord and he's like, he's seen two different occurrences, two different days of the Lord coming. There's this near one for the people of Israel that shows up and they're carried off into Babylonian captivity. But there's a coming, there's a yet coming, a, a farther, a distant coming day of the Lord that Zephaniah sees. Look at me, look with me at, at Zephaniah 2.11. The reason why we can know this is that the, the good that will come from their repentance is not yet fully realized. We'll see this more in chapter 3 next week. But chapter 2 verse 11 says, The Lord will be awesome against them. This is against the opponents of Israel. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him, to him, to God, shall bow down each in its place the lands of the nations. Do we see all the lands of the nations bowing down to God right now? I'll answer that for you. No, we don't. There's something, there's, there's a yet coming day of the Lord Zephaniah is looking for. This day, interestingly enough, if you go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, this day is spoken of specifically in reference to Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 Starting in verse 9, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him, being Jesus, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a near coming day of the Lord for the people of Israel, Judah, at the time of Zephaniah. But listen, folks. There's a yet coming day of the Lord. There is a yet coming day of the Lord where every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
there is a day yet to come. And we would be wise, like the people of Judah at this time would have been wise, to heed the Lord's warning before, before, before the day of the Lord comes, before every knee is forced to bow before the name of Jesus Christ, before, before, before. Do not presume that the Lord's day, the Lord's delay is His decision not to move. He certainly will move and is able to move at any moment. Zephaniah comes screaming to our modern culture that even though that near day of the Lord happened for the tribes of Judah, there is yet coming a day of the Lord. There is a coming day of the Lord when Christ returns to set up His kingdom. So, before we have gathered together, humble yourselves. Do this. Do not delay. Do not waste time. Why? Perhaps. Perhaps you may be hidden. A ray of hope comes flashing into the eyes of Zephaniah's hearers and us as well. A ray of hope, a flash of lightning comes across our bow in this proclamation, perhaps, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the Lord's anger. I want to think for a second, just take a little pause here, on what that hope isn't, okay? So perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the Lord, but I don't want us to confuse being hidden on the day of the Lord with something that it isn't. The day of the Lord and being hidden on the day of the Lord is not that the day won't come. So, some, so to say that perhaps you'll be hidden on the day of the Lord isn't to say, well, perhaps the day won't happen. Zephaniah is not saying that. And, and nowhere in our scriptures, all the way through the New Testament, through especially the book of Revelation, do we have this idea that the day of the Lord is not coming. Being hidden on the day of the Lord is not, does not mean that the day of the Lord is not on its way. The day will come. Everyone on planet Earth will at one point crash into the reality that is Jesus Christ. They will either crash into Him as a condemned sinner or they will crash into Him as a penitent believer. There is no avoiding this day. When he says, perhaps you may be hidden, it's not the proclamation of, oh, perhaps it may not happen, don't worry about it, go do whatever you want to do, no urgency, don't worry, perhaps it won't happen. No, perhaps you may be hidden from this day that is certainly coming. From this day that is certainly coming. So it's not that the day won't come. And it also isn't a, a, a perhaps you may be strengthened to stand on your own in that day. There's a misconception that goes around in some churches and some minds that says something like this. God helps me change. God helps me get better so that my life will be pleasing to him. So that God helps me do the right things so that when the day of the Lord comes, he'll say, well, you, I, you let me help you. I'm impressed you're good to go. This is not some sort of strengthening yourself. Maybe if I can even have God help me, I've got these few areas that are messed up. <laughs> and if I can just get God to help these few areas of my life that are messed up, along with these areas that I'm really nailing it, then, then God, I'll be strengthened and I'll be able to stand on the day of the Lord. No. He's not strengthening you to stand on your own. 
in the day of the Lord. Sanctification is a good thing. Don't ever hear me. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't to do good works and to, to do the things that God has for you to do. But sanctification, doing good works, will never be fully complete until we are fully made new in the new heavens and new earth. Therefore, to think that our, to place our security upon our own performance or even in cooperation with God's work is to have misplaced security. The reason why... Okay, so there's a couple reasons why, but the, one of the main reasons why I don't want you to think that your hope to stand on the day of the Lord is that God's going to strengthen you so you can show up and really, you know, strut around, God, that you helped me, and now here I am, is because of the reality we're all still sinners. And if you put your hope on the idea that God's going to help me get better, and then I'm going to get better enough that when I see him, I'll be able to stand on that day, what happens when you totally flop on one of those days? And... That day is coming, is it not? I mean, and we'll try as hard as we may. And, we, we, and God forbid, we don't want to grieve him. We don't want to sin against him. But the reality is, those days are coming. And if your security is based upon God's, your ability to get better and to do right things, and God's not going to smile on you, and you'll stand on that day by your own strength, what happens on that day when you don't have that confidence? You don't have that strength. You have sin. You have, you have grieved the heart of God. You better not be standing in your own improvement. You better be hidden in something else. Being hidden is not that the day won't come. Being hidden is not that God's going to make you better so that you can stand on that day. The perhaps is that you may be hidden. What is the hope of being hidden? Robertson says in his commentary, the only adequate refuge from the consuming wrath of Yahweh may be found only in Yahweh himself. Zephaniah tells them three things, right? He says, seek the Lord, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden. Think about these three things. Seek the Lord, seek righteousness, seek humility. Do you do those things? Can, I, can we reflect just, can we be honest and reflect for just another few minutes here? Seek the Lord, seek righteousness, righteousness seek humility. Anybody here nailing that every day, all day? If that's the hope, if that's the law that comes in here, I want to be hidden, so I guess I'm going to do these three things. We're all no better. No one does this perfectly. You may desire to do these things, and you should desire to do these things, but no one does them perfectly. No one seeks the Lord perfectly. No one, has, no one seeks righteousness perfectly every day, all day. No one seeks humility all day, all day. Do you do this? No, not perfectly. What hope then is there of being hidden? Okay, I'm trying to put us at a, we're at a, we're at a bad intersection here. If, if this is what's supposed to be done, what hope is there in being hidden? Ask this question as well. Is there anyone who has? Is there anyone who has? Is there anyone who has sought the Lord perfectly? Is there anyone who has sought righteousness perfectly? Is there anyone who has sought humility perfectly? Yes. That is what Jesus did. Jesus shows up and he serves and seeks the Lord perfectly. Jesus shows up and he seeks righteousness perfectly. Jesus shows up and he seeks humility perfectly. And the hiding is not in our performance. The hiding is the trust in this one who has done the performing. John chapter 6 
says, the disciples are asking this question, what should we do to be doing the good works of God? What, what do we need to do? We, there's something, you know, we, we've got to be doing good works. In John 6, 28, Jesus answers them the works they should be doing. He said, they say, then they said to him, what must we, be, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. What is the work? Believe. Believe in this one. What is the hiding? It is believing in this one. It is believing in this one who has sought the Lord, who has sought righteousness, who has sought humility. Believing in the one that he has sent. On this side of the work of the cross, we can accurately say Zephaniah's message in its fullness is like this. Gather together. Humble yourself before the Creator. Confessing your unrighteousness and your unworthiness. Seek righteousness. How? By looking to and believing in the life of the one who was truly righteous. And seek humility, looking fully and only to Christ as our rescuer and our redeemer. Not at all at our works. Jesus Christ shows up, lives the righteous life. We all should have lived. Everyone in the time of Zephaniah should have lived. He lives that righteous life. He dies the death that we all deserve. He absorbs that wrath. The wrath of the day of the Lord is laid upon Him so that all in Christ are forgiven of sin, taken out, hidden away, you could say, from the wrath of God. Hidden away for the wrath of God. For, for us, what is the hope? What, is, what can we hide in? Christ is the hiding place. Perhaps, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Colossians 1 just says this very thing, if we are hidden with Christ in God. Perhaps you may be hidden. The day, being hidden does not mean the day is not coming. And that hits like a ton of bricks and it's supposed to. The day of the Lord is coming. And being hidden is not that God's not going to let it come. Being hidden is not that God's going to strengthen you to be able to stand and, and strut your own stuff on that day. Being hidden is I have gathered myself like straw. I have nothing to offer this God. I have nothing to offer. All I can do is look to the one who had everything to offer and sacrificed himself for my rescue. Being hidden, and perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Two closing admonitions, okay? So just this is it. Two closing admonitions. If you don't know, if you are hidden today, my heart pleads with you, trust Christ. Be hidden. Get hidden in Christ from this coming day of the Lord. Do not risk or attempt to face that final day standing on your own strength. Do not. The atom blast of radiation that is God's glory will melt you on that day. There is a lead-cased refuge from the radiation of God's glory, and that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. And if you don't know if you're hidden today, gather like straw, gather like straw in humility before this eternal God and confessing your sin, looking to Christ. When we take communion, that's what this is all about, confessing my sin and trusting in the work of this Savior that I will be hidden on that day. That's my first closing admonition. My second one is this, is if you are hidden in Christ. If you're here this morning and you, yes, I am hidden in Christ and thank God I am hidden in Christ. If that is you, I want to tell you, 
any trouble you suffer in this life is not punitive. It's punishment upon you. If you are hidden in Christ, your punishment against God has been laid fully on him. No terror, no suffering, no struggle, no hard times is ever, is ever punitive as though God is making you pay for something he laid all on Jesus. No suffering in this life. God's wrath has been laid on Christ. If you are hidden in him, know this. When life gets tough, and it does, and it will, and when things go south in your life, it is never, never as a result of God's punishment upon you. That has been laid on Christ so that you can escape, so that you be hidden on the day of the Lord. He suffered the punishment for your sins. Never forget this. And secondly, no trouble you suffer in this life is an indicator of his disposition toward you. No suffering you go through in this life is an indicator of his disposition towards you. Our world is broken. Sin abounds and the fallout under the providence of God falls on us all in various ways. Listen, the suffering you may be going through, the suffering you may be going through in your life, this is no sign. The suffering you are enduring is not the day of the Lord's anger towards you because as his child through faith in Christ, his disposition towards you is only one of unfailing love. Because of this unfailing love, know that no terror, no devil, no evil, no suffering will ever be able to tear you from his grasp or expose you on the final day to his fully consummated wrath. If you are hidden in Christ and suffering comes your way, know that it is not punitive and it is no indicator of his great love for you. When you are hidden in Christ, you are hidden in Christ. And the day of the Lord comes and will fly by you because you are hidden in Christ. You are hidden in who he is for you. And you should know his disposition towards you is nothing but unfailing love. Let's pray. Father, as we fly through this heavy reality, I want to balance it. And I, I pray you would give the, the appropriate balance in our hearts. And, and I, what I mean by balance is, God, help us to sit under the weight of the reality of the coming judgment that there is, that your hatred towards sin and your punishment of coming towards sinners. Help us to sit under that weight. And at the same time, God, help us to sit in the joy that there is in being hidden in Christ, that we have a Savior, we have a Rescuer who suffered the wrath that we deserve so that through repentance and faith, God, we could be, you would forgive us these sins, reconcile us back to yourselves, adopt us as your dear children, and enjoy the fullness of your joy forever. Give us eyes to see it, God, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.